0: Well, welcome to the April 2022 Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. I'm Liz. And I'm Jess. And we are from the Course Report team, so we spend our days helping students choose the best coding bootcamps for them. But each month, we round up all of the most interesting bootcamp industry news that we read and chatted about in our Course Report virtual office, usually shared these articles on Slack, let's be honest. And, um, and we share them with you. So it is the April episode. And of course, we've got to start off with an April Fool's Day joke, right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, the Onion gave us a good laugh with an article about Vice President Kamala Harris enrolling in a boot camp with the hopes that learning the basics of JavaScript, SQL and Python could help her get an entry level position at a tech company or better yet, a transfer to the White House IT department, where she already made some connections. (laughs) But um, Jess, no jokes. What are we going to cover on the April podcast?
1: Um, so we're going to cover some regulatory updates that came up around ISAs and how one bootcamp is dealing with that. Plus a couple of personnel changes within the bootcamp industry. Then we've got an update about how a donation from Melinda Gates is helping Aided Developers Academy grow and a new report that says coding bootcamp grads earn 12% more than college grads.
0: And of course, we'll tell you about all of the new coding boot camps that'll be added to the course report directory in April.
1: Yeah, and just a quick shout out to upcoming summer coding boot camp cohorts. We've got over 30 um, summer boot camp cohorts in our roundup and most of them are accepting applications now. So if you're interested in applying or going to a boot camp this summer, definitely check out our roundup of those and figure out which program works best for you?
0: Yeah, that can be great for like teachers or students that have summer breaks or mm-hmm. um we we often will find like college students with a summer break can really use a summer coding boot camp. And yeah. um As we look forward to the summer, Jess and I are also currently planning our next live event, which will be on June 8th. I know a lot of you probably tuned in to our last live panel with six bootcamp alumni, and we're super excited about this one. The topic is going to be what I wish I knew before a coding bootcamp. So um, Mm -hmm. you can subscribe to our newsletter to get all of those announcements about that event, other events that we do, um, and we hope that you will
1: join that one. Ask it's, going to, it's going to be a great panel. We always start with acquisitions and fundraises, and April was actually quiet on that front. So a couple of small updates. One, Noodle appointed Katie Starr as chief marketing officer. So welcome to Katie.
0: And to remember that in March, the Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid clarified that income share agreements or ISAs that are used to finance expenses for post-secondary education are private education loans under the Education Department's regulations. That's a pretty major ruling in the bootcamp world as well, even though it doesn't apply to boot camps. But Mm -hmm. um, in April, Vimo Education co-founder Renee Meng announced that she's joined Stride Funding as its vice president of operations as part of a larger expansion of the Stride leadership team. At Stride, Ming will lead all customer success, origination, uh, servicing, and income verification teams. And so that is definitely a shift to note from Vimo to Stride.
1: That's actually a nice lead-in to talk about regulatory news. And in April, that was all about Bloom Tech, which was formerly um, Lambda School, which faced some new legal issues this April. So Liz, would you explain to us more about this lawsuit?
0: Sure. This story was covered by Higher Ed Dive and Yahoo News in April. Emily Bruner, the plaintiff, is a former student of Lambda School or Bloom Tech and is suing, alleging that the school misled her about job placement rates. So she's asking California state judge to cancel her income share agreement or ISA. Of course, Lambda School is not commenting, but the Student Borrower Protection Center is all over this lawsuit. So expect to see that name a lot.
1: So Liz, do you think this
0: is the end of ISAs? Well, I don't think that it's the end of the concept of outcomes based financing, but some of the gray area around ISAs is becoming less gray. A lot of that is due to that DOE ruling that ISAs are private education loans and mm-hmm. should be, you know, regulated as such. But there are really solid outcomes based loans that do the work of an ISA, but disclose them as a private education loan. Um, skills fund is one example of that. One random thing that I learned from this reporting is that the rebrand from Lambda School to Bloom Tech came about because Lambda School settled a trademark lawsuit with artificial intelligence company Lambda Labs. So we had kind of like speculated about why that name change and et cetera, but um, that kind of clears it up. Well, at the end of the day, it all comes down to the ROI of your education, whether you measure ROI, return on investment based on salary or quality of life or opportunities for growth. You know, your education has to pay off these days. And two articles in The New York Times and EdSurge explored the value of the traditional college degree this April.
1: So nearly two-thirds of the American workforce does not have a college degree, and when companies screen job applicants by college degree, they eliminate 76% of Black adults and 83% of Latino adults. The New York Times did a real deep dive into how the four-year college degree requirement isn't what it used to be, and with the rise of career changers, a retiring baby boomer workforce, and the must for more diversity and inclusion within hiring, companies are evolving their hiring practices by eliminating this college requirement. That said, New York Times looked into what the effect has been on companies that say they are transitioning into skills-based hiring and, you know, if that's actually happening. So Burning Glass reported that while Microsoft has been a serious proponent of reskilling initiatives, it still required a degree for 54% of its computer support job postings compared with the national average of 24%. Lauren Gardern, the Vice President of Global Talent Acquisition for Microsoft, said, quote, we're absolutely committed to broadening our hiring aperture, but it's a journey. So that's interesting. It seems like they're still adjusting to the skills-based hiring. On the other side of this, Burning Glass found that Google has made good on its promise to prioritize skills-based hiring by reducing college degree requirements from 72% of its jobs in 2021. Mind you, that's not a full 100%, but it's getting there. Degree-based hiring is so deeply ingrained in our hiring practices here in the US, but with this recent shakeup of the past few years, I hope that skills-based hiring will continue to become the dominant trend. There certainly seems to be enough support work for it.
0: And Jeffrey R. Young continues this thought in EdSurge this month by publishing the audio and transcript of a debate that EdSurge moderated at an education conference this April. The topic was, quote, is a college degree the worst investment you can make or the best, (laughs) end quote. And we're going to link to the full article with audio because the um, person who's arguing that, yes, college is a bad decision is Kay Lack, who leads the education team at the UK Software Engineering Bootcamp Makers Academy. So as a former debate kid myself, um, I I loved this this one because it was like a true debate. So I'd love to just let us listen to Kay argue their point.
2: If we think sort of in raw terms about vocational training, vocational courses are often much shorter than university degrees. And and in the case of apprenticeships, come with no financial burden, and in fact, they come with a a a salary as well and if let's say one of my students who are on apprenticeship lasting one two years uh, did study with us they would they would study they would learn they would earn as well and at the end of those two years they would still have the opportunity to change and choose a different path in fact you could do a number of apprenticeships without having to pay uh, at least in in the uk without having to pay any extra for it um, because you're doing a job and you're earning a salary at the same time And you wouldn't be saddled with debt after that. So I would say that based on this, you have a larger number of options outside the university than in it. In fact, one of my, you know, one of the students I really look back on, the first of my students to get a job, um, was telling me that it was a very mind opening experience for him to be around people from so many different backgrounds actually in in work who had gone through so many different paths to see those role models in his department and in others and, and to get a sense of like what the real world is like. So um, I would say that even if it's things like you know, traveling, gap years, short courses, different kinds of jobs, you open up a lot of opportunities for yourself by not going to university and perhaps deciding to do so even in your late thirties or uh, become a more mature student and still get the benefit of both worlds.
1: I think the whole debate is really relevant to our audience of bootcamp industry folks.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Give the whole one a listen. And a survey by ARC.dev, which is a remote career platform for software developers, found that coding bootcamp grads earn 12% more than college grads. Waitling Liu, who is the CEO and founder of ARC, told People Matters that, quote, the findings confirm that companies are willing to pay top dollar for talented developers regardless of their formal education. A traditional four-year computer science degree is no longer the only path to success. The way we think about career development has changed dramatically drastically with the acceptance of non-traditional education and self-directed learning, it means anyone can build an amazing remote career as a developer in 2022, including those without university education, end quote. And um, so that basically came from salary data from over 2,500 remote software developers. And that data also shows that self-taught developers earn up to 26% more for senior roles as compared to developers with a bachelor's degree. Yeah. Nick Kolakowski also covered that survey for DICE. So there's an article there as well.
1: The job market today remains very hot for workers. There's so many open positions and lots of opportunities out there. That said, when it comes to tech employment, there's still a tech gap, as in there's many open positions and not enough skilled workers to fill them. UK's Standard Media points out that with technology now integrated into every other industry rather than just a standalone industry, there's a desperate need for programs that train up kids in tech skills and increased accessibility to reskilling programs for adult workers who are, of course, looking to make that career change into tech.
0: Yeah, Jess, and not only reskilling kids and adults, but also current employees. And Jeffrey Young for EdSurge, um, again, this April, summarized a South by Southwest EDU panel where representatives from Sam's Club, JP Morgan Chase, and DeGreed highlighted the trends that they're seeing in workplace learning. You can read this whole thing yourself, that's pretty short and concise, but I'll just give you the highlights. One is that companies will ditch the classroom model in favor of a mobile education approach. Two is that degrees will become shorter and stackable. Three, as we know, skills will become king. And four, Employees will demand learning that is directly tied to their jobs. So Kim Gregory, Executive Director of Learning and Talent Solutions at JPMorgan Chase said, quote, if it doesn't lead to a job, it means
1: nothing to that employee, end quote. Mm -hmm. And upscaling initiatives paid for by tech companies themselves is a real trend now in 2022. Protocol points out a few recent initiatives, including Google's 100 million Google Career Certificates Fund, um, Microsoft Philanthropy's plan to expand cybersecurity skills training and a Grads of Life and 110 partnership that's aimed at helping Black workers without college degrees land tech roles. Protocol also highlights how coding boot camps are invested in creating their own upskilling initiatives too. Um, In April, Springboard announced its Inclusion Scholarship Program, which is committing $10 million in scholarship funds through the year 2030. Partners like Microsoft and Blackstone Technology have signed on with Springboard in support of this new program. Rather than just pointing to the current issues of reskilling and increasing diversity in tech, this rise in, in these kinds of programs offered by tech companies themselves, organizations, and boot camps is a really good sign that actionable change is underway in the tech industry. And piggybacking off of that protocol article, Jess, I saw more news about new
0: reskilling programs, um, such as the AWS Restart and Tech Talent South collaboration. AWS Restart is a skills development program for unemployed or underemployed individuals that gets them into entry-level cloud careers. In that new collaboration, Tech Talent South will be helping train these AWS Restart students and providing career support. And then the bootcamp offered by Morgan State University through 2U or Trilogy has joined up with Netflix Pathways Bootcamp. That program is offered to college students at Morgan State, and it will help them learn the skills they need to launch tech careers either right away or after college graduation.
1: Yeah, and an an interesting aside to all of this, the Wall Street Journal is now naming career changers who pivot from low-paying hourly roles or blue-collar jobs into tech roles. Um, They're now calling them new-collar workers. This new-collar categorization was born out of this recent workforce disruption that we saw since the pandemic began in early 2020.
0: Love that new collar, and I also loved that Paul Fain's review newsletter this month focused on innovative employee training. He covered an update from Merit America, but also a new program called Sponsored Degrees from Get Set Learning. So, the way that this will work is that Get Set will recruit participants who are second year community college students or who hold 60 college credits, and then companies will connect participants with an online micro-internship, and those partner companies will be able to recruit students who complete the micro-internships to offer them sponsored degrees from either Arizona State University or Northeastern University. Um, The all-in cost for the degree program and student support will be just under $25,000 per participant, according to Get Set, and that's pretty much around what it costs to like hire or train a new, um, a new employee. So students will though be on the hook for those costs if they quit their job through this partnership in less than two years.
1: What a cool program.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Curious to see how it'll actually pan out and work, but we'll keep an eye on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. CBC noted how Canada is now being seen as what they're calling it Silicon Valley North, as so many big tech companies like Meta, formerly Facebook, Google, and Amazon are opening large offices there and begin to fill those open positions with Canadian tech hires. Lighthouse Labs CEO Jeremy Shockey points out that these companies are attracted to Canada by the amount of skilled tech talent there, but some in the tech community are worried about how this will affect the health and vitality of Canada's bustling tech startup culture. The main takeaway from this article is that, you know, a rising tide raises all boats. So hopefully having the tech giants and the tech startups in Canada will only increase the opportunities for Canadian workers there.
0: All right. And finally, we've been focusing a lot on software engineering, but cybersecurity is also trying to find enough talent to fill thousands of open positions. Bloomberg highlighted a recent CyberSeek report, which found that there are over one million workers employed in cybersecurity in the U.S. with an additional 600,000 cybersecurity jobs that still need filling. According to that report by Gartner Talent Neuron, in the past 12 months, cybersecurity job openings have increased 29 percent, which is more than double the rate of growth between 2018 and 2019. That information is coming to us at the same time as President Biden is urging U.S. companies to up their cybersecurity defenses immediately amidst a growing possibility of a Russian cyber attack.
1: We are so close to Mother's Day that we wanted to give a shout out to all of the moms in tech. In a recent blog post, we rounded up our favorite tips for moms who are learning to code now. And some of those tips include looking for flexible programs and establishing your support system and childcare um, to help you get the most out of your bootcamp experience, whether that's online or in person. Um, Liz, Code Crew published an interesting opinion piece on diversifying tech by not requiring degrees. What were some of those takeaways?
0: Just remember that New York Times article that Jess was just talking about that says that 76% of Black adults and 83% of Latino adults do not have college degrees. Yes. So Mika Egwekwe wrote this for the SF Chronicle, pointing out that there have long been systematic barriers to Black Americans securing well-paying jobs and constructing a Black middle class. And Mika's solution is that companies should remove the four-year degree requirement for most software development and other technology positions. Mika points out that Apple and Google are leading the charge here, so non-tech companies should follow that lead. And as the executive director of Code Crew in Memphis, he's witnessed firsthand how the four-year degree is just not necessary for all technology roles. And in Memphis, an annual salary of $55,000 puts Code Crew's overwhelmingly Black and Latino graduates straight into the middle class. And so this is all coming straight from the op-ed, but um, he says that by dropping degree requirements, companies will not only be helping to eliminate the estimated $220 billion annual disparity between what Black wages are today and what they would be if systemic racism and inequality were not at play, but also these companies will be helping the entire economy. Just another great stat uh, that he included here is that according to the International Monetary Fund, the racial wealth gap between white and black Americans is projected to cost the U.S. economy between $1 trillion $1.5 trillion in lost consumption and investment from 2019 to 2028. So, wow. um, yeah, a lot That's of opportunity there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Ada Developers Academy was featured in a recent CIO post about diversifying the tech space. Ada Developers Academy is a nonprofit coding bootcamp based in Seattle that offers a free coding bootcamp experience plus a paid internship experience Plus career services to women and non-binary folks. Remember that in July, Ada was awarded ten million from Melinda French Gates and her investment company Pivotal Ventures. Uh, Lauren Sato, who is the CEO of Ada Developers Academy, points out that eighty percent of their students come from low-income backgrounds, and since this is such like an immersive bootcamp experience with the internship, that makes it hard for students to work while they're studying. Um, so Ada Developers Academy has. Made sure to offer a no interest, no credit check living expense loan, plus other benefits like childcare support, free laptops, and free mental health care.
0: Absolutely, especially just as we we're just talking about so we think about Mother's Day and ways to help more moms get into tech, you know, kind of re-enter the workforce. That childcare element is so key. So um, really cool stuff that Ada's doing. And we'll actually embed a video from the VOA news about a couple of students at Ada Developers Academy in April too. All right. Well, moving on to new boot camps and a few new campuses, we heard in April about a boot camp expanding its program options.
1: Yeah, that's right, Liz. So Holberton School announced that it will now offer part-time programs starting this May at its campuses in Peru, Puerto Rico, and Australia. Students will have the option to complete the boot camp part-time. I'm guessing that this part-time program will expand to all of its other campuses within the coming months.
0: And of course, we also added 10 new schools to the course report directory in April. Jess, do you want to
1: kick us off with these 10? So we added Caltech Bootcamps and UMass Amherst Project Management Bootcamp, which are both powered by Simply Learn. We also added the university bootcamp eCornell, which is run by Cornell itself.
0: We added Gallic Tech, which is our first bootcamp based in Azerbaijan. And we added the online coding bootcamps, Zao. Ultima School, Osmi Pro, and WeStride.
1: And we added Cybersecurity Bootcamp MTS class and Sky Accelerator, which is a digital marketing bootcamp aimed at women.
0: Welcome to those 10 new boot camps. If you are an alum of any of those schools, you can now leave a review of your experience on Course Report. And Jess, why don't we wrap up today's episode as we always do with our favorite articles to work on. Jess, what was your favorite piece to publish in April?
1: Definitely. So I loved speaking with Gazal, who is a Test Pro alum who made a career change into Manual QA and is now a QA analyst at Meta. Ghazal is a mom and she pointed out how the manual QA career, which does not require any coding skills, by the way, is actually a great tech career for moms because it requires the same skill set of like going deep, being patient, and then repeating that over and over again. Um, Ghazal enrolled at TestPro because it's a flexible program that really fit her busy mom work-life schedule. Plus it offered her the career support that she needed to land her first QA roles. And Liz, what did you love working on this month? Well, my favorite
0: has got to be the interview that I did with Brandon from Merit America. This was the first alum that we got to talk to from Merit America. And Brandon was working in gig jobs for Instacart and DoorDash, but he saw this kind of entry point into tech through IT support. Um, And he balanced the remote program. He continued to work in New York while he did Merit America. And then the career team at Merit America set him up with an interview at Infosys, which is huge. I didn't realize that they actually like introduced you to a real company. Um, and today he's working as a tech support associate on a project at Aerojet Rocketdyne, which is a part cool. of Infosys. Yeah. So a really cool success story. And I can only see Brandon, like he's continuing to learn new skills, learning Python, learning to code. I think this will just be like the first step of his career in like a
1: very, you know, lucrative tech career. Definitely. And that does it for our April podcast. So thanks so much for tuning in. Keep checking in on course report for the latest about online and in-person bootcamp opportunities. And we're going to see you next month on the May Coding Bootcamp News Roundup. And of course, as always, we love
0: feedback. So email us your thoughts at hello at coursereport.com. You can go to coursereport.com and sign up for our newsletter if you want updates about those live events we were talking about. And if you enjoyed this podcast, then please help other future boot campers find it by going to wherever you found this podcast, subscribing, and leaving us a review. And we will see you in May.
1: See you in May, everyone.
0: All right. Bye.